like the world is against you.
Start with the chorus of that song. If you can't sing the whole thing here, that that you're not in this alone. Y'all need to listen to this song.
is for you, and He's right for everything that's wrong. I'm here to tell you, He will not leave you, He never abandons His own. Second Peter chapter number one. I'm just going to start reading and kind of just see what the Lord wants this morning. Verse number eight. We could go all the way back, but we'll start in verse number eight. For if these things be in you, what are these things? Temperance, patience. Godliness, brotherly kindness, charity. He said they make 
you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath, listen to this word, forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, I know I've used this phrase time and time again lately, but what he's done is he's he's flipped the coin. He's flipped the page. He said there's there's one, he says, he says, you've forgotten that you've been purged, but rather give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fail. I, I can remember old, old preachers, they were not even preachers, just old men of God, they would say, you better make your peace call and election sure. And that's what I'm saying right here. That peace call is when the Lord called you by name. The young and sing that song, he knows my name. I'm glad he just didn't just say, hey y'all, which he did. But on April 24th, 1992, he called me by name. <laughs> he said, but if you'll make your calling and election sure for if you do these things ye shall never fail for so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and here it is and we've preached on this verse before but he says wherefore I will not be negligent to you to put to put you always in remembrance of these things Though ye know them and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, I think it necessary, as long as I am in this tabernacle, he's talking his physical body, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this, my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath shown me. If you were to look over in chapter number 3, I believe I'm right. Verse number 1, this second epistle. Beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. That you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. So this morning, if I could take maybe about ten minutes and just stir you up. Last time I used Second Peter chapter number 1, I preached on the thought... Um, what was it? I don't forget the thought, but I begin to remind you of what you are in Christ. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified. I said that you're saved, you're born again. We looked at those studies and we gave you scriptures that backed it up. But today, going off of this song, I was, I was by myself in the sound booth yesterday. Nathan was up there playing. And or had been playing, and the ladies were singing it. And I, without a word of lie, I was trying my best not to quench the spirit, but not embarrass those ladies that were there. This was for them. I didn't want to bring attention to myself. And I'm telling you, I had to. I had to stifle a shout. But inside, I just couldn't handle it anymore <laughs> because they said, "I I came here to tell you." And man, there's something about that phrase. That chorus, it says, you're not in this alone. But there was two. I'm here to tell you. And let me remind you. That just, I mean, it shook me, Brother Joe, to my core. And the whole rest of the service. I was sitting there and God was reminding me of the things that He's done for me. We got in from Tennessee. Might be a little bit longer than 10 minutes, but I'm going to try. We got in from Tennessee Saturday morning at 4.30. Got in bed a little bit before 5. Got up somewhere around 8.30 or so. I don't remember. 
was tired yesterday and went to this meeting and God just poured this on me and I was trying my best to just, just to process it all. And I said, God, I know that they need to hear this, but what, what is it that, that you're telling me? And I, I had to, had to go lay down, take a little nap and time was running short. And so about an hour and a half, I, I think I had and, Brother David, I sat there and I was on my left side and I just been, <laughs> began to go through those two phrases. I'm here to tell you, and let me remind you, and tears began to flow sideways down my face. And God began to just remind me of some things. And so if you'll help me this morning, I just want to remind you of some things that God's done for you. I don't, I have an outline, but I don't know what will happen with it. But number one, Jesus is for you. What all does that mean? Well, Jesus came for you. In John chapter number three, verse 16, Jesus told old religious Nicodemus, and he said, for God so loved the world. And if we could stop and find one phrase that's good news for us today, it would be that. For God so loved the world. But I'm glad that he continued. And he said, he loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The very first thing somebody needs to know, whether you've been saved 50 years, 5 minutes, or you've never been saved, the very first thing you need to know is that God loves you. And He loves you so much that He sent His only begotten, not one of His sons, but His only begotten Son for you. Brother David mentioned this 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 uh, idea in in Second Kings, I believe, chapter six, and 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 I have to say it right here, and I don't want you just to take my word for it, but if you'll read that thing and you'll put instead of the world, you'll put for God so loved Nick, that if Nick, and you begin to put your name in that thing. You'll realize that God didn't just love the world, but that He loved you. I'm here to remind you today that Jesus is for you. Not only did Jesus come for you, but He died for you. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, Paul is talking to a young church. And he says, I delivered unto you first of all that which also I received. And let me just stop right here and say, I'm glad that I'm not preaching a gospel that I've heard about. I'm preaching a gospel that that has been shown to me. I'm preaching a gospel that God has shown His grace and His mercy and His long-suffering and His gentleness to me. And because of that, like Paul, I can say I'm, I'm here to remind you about some things. And he said, when we were without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. <laughs> for scarcely... For a righteous man would one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die, but God commendeth. Some translate this word as God demonstrated or God gave. And so God commendeth His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us and that He was buried. He arose again the third day according to the Scriptures. We're in Romans chapter number 5 and then in 1 Corinthians 3, 15, 3 and 4. Galatians chapter number 1, speaking of Jesus who gave Himself for our sins that He might deliver us from the present evil world. 1 John two twenty, And He... This Jesus Christ is the propitiation of our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the world. Aren't you glad today that Jesus is for you? He came for you, but He died for you. Jesus prepared a comforter. Praying with somebody, I don't remember who. And I got to thinking about that comforter. Jesus said in John 14, he said, I will send you another comfort. He was there with them and he was comforting them while he was with them. And he said, I gotta go. 
He said, but when I go, I'm going to give you another comforter. And I began to pray this morning, God, you be the comfort to them that only you can provide. You be the peace to them that only you can provide. You be the strength and the wisdom that only you can provide. Jesus prepared a comforter in John 14, 18. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. This comforter teaches us and reminds us in verse 26. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. That Holy Ghost, that that comforter, if you will, is to testify of Christ. John 15, 26 says, But when the comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. Every time you, you, you feel down in your spirit, you feel despondent, discouraged, dismayed, it is that holy, if you're saved, it is that Holy Ghost that is there to remind you, Brother Bobby. And He's reminding you of your yesterday when you had a need and prayed and He provided. He's there to remind you of the time that you lost a loved one and He come in beside you and snuggled up against you and gave you comfort when there seemed to be no comfort in mind. He's the one that calmed that fevered brow of that little baby, a boy or that little baby girl when you just whispered, as the songwriter said, you just whispered the name of Jesus. It is that Holy Ghost of God that testifies of Christ that daily reminds us. <clears throat> we saw that Jesus is for you, but very quickly, I only got two points and y'all wish I'd, I'd just preach it, but normally when I preach, I got 17 pages and 12 points or a 30 minute introduction. And I couldn't tell you what was going on today. Jesus is for you, but if I had, I guess, number two, He will never leave you. The song said that you'll never be alone. And I got to thinking of that phrase, you're not in this alone. That's the last phrase of the song. You're not in this. And so I got to thinking about some people in the Bible and how that they were alone. They were all by themselves. But somebody else showed up. Jacob, in Genesis 32, verse 24, was left alone. Brother Deacon plainly says that he was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of day. Verse 25 says, And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and his thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Jacob was all alone, but he wrestled with somebody from heaven. Once it was all said and done, all he could say was, The Lord bless me. Esther. Esther was a little Jewish girl that was in captivity. And the way I understand it is that it, she was being prepared to possibly be the queen. She found favor in the king's eye. He wanted her to be his wife. But even though he, she was his wife, she could not just go into the king's court. She had to be invited. She had an uncle named Mordecai that was a good saint of God, if, if I could say that about him. And he said that our people are fixing to be destroyed, Esther. And for, for such a time as this, you've been prepared. We've been in bondage for this point in time. And she was in the king's palace. The only one that believed in God. The only one that served God. By all accounts, she was alone. But it came to pass on the third day that Esther put on her royal apparel and stood in the inner court of the king's house. 
over against the king's house. And the king sat upon the royal throne in the royal house over against the gate of the house. And it was so when the king saw Esther the queen standing in the court that she obtained favor in his sight. And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. So Esther drew near and touched the top of the scepter. The king said, What wilt thou, Queen Esther? What is thy request? It shall be even given to thee the half of the kingdom. She was all alone. Talking about he will never leave you. Deuteronomy chapter maybe 32 or something like that is where we get this in Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13 verse number 5 says, He will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That wasn't an original thought that came back from God in His own Word, in the law. Telling the people of Israel that God would never leave them and nor forsake them. And here we are a few generations later and we find that Esther is all alone. But yet God was there. And not only was God there with her, Otherwise, she would not have found favor in the king's eyes. But God prepared all of this for this moment in time. He will never leave you. Job was not alone. You know the story of Job. You know everything that he lost. But in verse number 20 of chapter number 1, Job arose and rent, rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped. <laughs> Just lost his cattle, lost his possessions, lost his sons and daughters, and he worshipped. And he said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord taketh away, hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolish. The very next chapter, more happened. He got boils from his head to his feet. He broke a piece of pottery and took a sharp edge and began to cut his skin. Not for self-mutilation, but to pop those boils, to get some relief. He said this. His wife came to him, saw the condition that he was in. Now, we can't be too hard on her because she had just lost her sons and daughters too. So don't, don't y'all beat Miss Job up. But Miss Job came to Mr. Job, said, why don't you just curse God and die? He said, thou speakest as one of the foolish women. Shall we receive good at the hand of God? And shall we not receive evil? In all this did not Job sin with his lips. He was all alone, Miss Suzanne. He lost his children. He said his wife was speaking like a foolish woman. He was all by himself. But he wasn't alone. You remember those three Hebrew boys? You know the story? They were thrown in there because they wouldn't worship the king's image. And the Bible says in Daniel chapter number 3, verse number 25, you remember he, he heated up the furnace seven times hotter than it was supposed to have been. He threw in these three Hebrew boys that were bound in their hands and in their feet. But all of a sudden we come to Daniel 3, 25, and the king answered. He looking in and he said, Lo, I see four men. We're in the fire. They're all alone, Brother Kenny. And Brother Kenny, they're all alone. And the king says, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Amen. He will never leave you. If you were to go over just a chapter or two, maybe about three chapters, uh, chapter 6, verse number 19, we find that King David, he was in a similar situation. He wouldn't do what he was told to do, or he did what he was told not to do, rather. And they, they said, listen, we're going to trick him, and they did. They brought it before the king, and the king threw him. Now, if you look in your Bible, sometimes you'll see the uh, the lion's den, but I have to beg to differ with you. Uh, it says, 
as the den of lions. And the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And, and the reason I say that, Brother Jody, is a lion's den may be a den where the lions are supposed to be. But the Bible is very specific saying it was a den of lions. There were lions in there. This wasn't just a fluke and they were out on the desert somewhere and doing whatever lions do during the day. But they were a den of lions. They were in there. And it says he came to the den and cried a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said David unto the king, Daniel, Daniel, Daniel was in the den of lions all by himself. What happened? My God has sent His angel and has shut the lion's mouth that they have not hurt me. For so much as before Him, innocency was found in me. And also before Thee, O King, have I done no hurt. The king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no manner of hurt was found upon him. The disciples were not alone. I don't even, I don't even want to take the time to read this, but I'm going to give you this. Every time they thought they were wrong, Nathan, I, I tell you what, if you're 25 and below, stand up. I know some of y'all think y'all look 25 and below, but I want you, I, older folks, I want you to look around. I want you to see these, these young ones. You got two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen, and then the little one back there. We got, we got some little ones that I didn't count, but I, that's just because I can't. So young, older folks, I want you to see these younger folks. But young folks, I want you to just, everybody turn around and look and see who you see. I want you to look. Now I want you to know there's going to be a lot of times in your young lives that you're going to think you're doing this thing all by yourself. And you're going to think that you're the only one singing. You're going to think you're the only one going to church on a Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. There's going to be a lot of times that you think you're the only one reading your Bible. There's going to be a lot of times at school, whether public, private, or homeschool, that you look and you wonder, why in the world am I studying this? Why am I doing this? Why am I going to college? Is it really going to matter? But I want you to know you're not in this alone. Y'all can be seated. And I'm here to remind you that the, the disciples, the very men that Jesus spoke to and called them to follow Him, they oftentimes thought they were all alone. In Matthew chapter number 14 verse 23, Jesus is nowhere to be found and they're out in the middle of the, of the, the water and Jesus has sent them away and they're wondering the night has come, the waves are coming and all of a sudden from out of nowhere, it's just these men, it's just the fish that they've caught, it's just the raging seas and the, the billowing winds and all of a sudden when they thought they were all alone, Jesus came walking on the water. If you look over there in the book of John, chapter number uh, 21, uh, we see that Jesus called out to them and He prepared them supper. If you remember, uh, Jesus is, is He's resurrected now. If, if in memory serves me right, He's resurrected now. And the disciples have seen Him. The disciples have been charged by the very Son of God uh, that they are to go and share the gospel. And Peter says, I'm going fishing. And they said, Peter, you ain't going by yourself. I'm going with you. There's nothing wrong with fishing. But when God told you to do something, you might want to pack your ditties and go. Y'all probably ain't never heard of pack your ditties, have you? Y'all looking at me like a calf looking at a new... Pack your clothes and go. Your stuff ain't... And they are... But Peter said, I'm going fishing. 
And so they all got in a boat again and they went fishing. And then all of a sudden, they had toiled all night long. They didn't get anything. And they heard an echoing voice across the waters and said, Have you caught any meat? Listen to this. John chapter number 21. Jesus says, Children, have you any meat? No. Cast the net on the right side and you shall find. They cast therefore. And now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. They were all alone out there. And they've toiled all night. You young folks and adults, you may have toiled all night long and you wonder if it's, is it even worth it? But then all of a sudden, at the midst of your loneliness, God can send His Son to cry out uh, to cast on the other side. Now, they ain't a doubt in my mind, Mr. Benji, that they done been on the other side, the front of the boat, the back of the boat. If they had a snorkel, they've been down there trying to find a snorkel. They put, they put the depth finder on. They've tried everything they knew to do. These were fishermen. They were out there by themselves. They didn't catch nothing. And here comes a voice. Cast on the other side. And they did it. They had so much. They had so much. They couldn't pull it in. But listen to this. As soon as they were come to land, Jesus saw the, or they saw the fire of coals and fish laid there on and bread. Jesus said, bring of the fish which ye have now called. Even when they thought they were all alone. So far, two different times, Jesus was already there. If we were to look over in uh, John chapter number 20, this was right before this situation. John chapter number 20, the resurrection has happened. You remember that they have, they have witnessed the empty tomb and now they're in the upper room and out of nowhere, John chapter number 20 verse number 19, it says the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews and there came Jesus and stood in the midst and said, peace be unto you. I'm here to remind you, you're not in this alone. How many of us have come to the conclusion. I want y'all to sing that song again. How many of us have come to that conclusion that we're, we're all alone? In business, in school, in church. I remember coming up in, in New Hope Baptist Church in Palatka. And at that point, all of the teenagers, they had graduated college. And all the ones my age, they had just gradually gotten out of church and and it, it was it was just me. Maybe one, might be two others. And even as a young Christian, I thought, I, I'm in this by myself. The only hope that I had was twice a year we'd go to camp meeting down in Homosassa Spring. Didn't have anybody that I can talk to. The kids at school, they, they said they went to church, but they didn't act like it, and I didn't want to hang around with them. I was in it all alone. I've worked in public jobs where I was the only Christian that acted like a Christian. Everybody there said they were saved, but they didn't act like it. I've been in positions where I was the only Christian. No other believers around. But then I've been on the front pew, the back pew, Everywhere in between, behind the microphone and behind the pulpit, there's been times that I felt like I was doing it all by myself. And maybe you've been in one of those positions. But I'm here to remind you, you're not in this alone. I'm here to remind you that God loves you. I don't care who you are today. God loves you. Saved or lost, God loves you. Sometimes we as saved people need to be reminded of the depth of God's love. We've been out on the boat with Brother David at Lake Blackshear and he's, he's got a, a, almost said pathfinder, a depth finder. And every once in a while he'll, he'll put it in nutrient. He said, look at this. And there'll be big old schools of fish. Or there'll be something, something down there and we don't know what it is. And I leave that to them. I don't get in water what I can't see at the bottom. 
I like taking a bath because I could see it. If the water gets dirty, I'm out. I said, look at this. And I said, man, what? How, 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 how deep is that? Brother Kenny, he'll say, well, it says right there it's 10 feet, 25 feet, whatever it may be. As Christians, sometimes we need to be reminded of the depth of God's love for us. This morning, brother, <laughs> y'all just, <laughs> woo! This morning, me and Kurt got in the office and prayed before the service, and I got to thinking about Psalm 40. He lifted me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. I don't know how deep that pit was, but it was deeper than I could ever climb out of by myself. And I'm glad that his, his arm was not too short. And I'm glad that outstretched arm, brother Jody, was not too short. What he could reach down and save me. Sometimes we need to be reminded that he loves us that much. Sometimes we need to be reminded as believers that when we get off the path that God has taken for us and we begin to go another route, I'm glad that God loves us so much that He will draw us back to Himself. We may have questioned God's love for us. We may have questioned a lot of things. And I wrote this down when I was finishing up this morning. God does not love you because of who you are. He loves you because of who He is. And if you don't get nothing else out of this, you need to know this morning that I'm here to remind you that God loves you because of who He is. On every head bowed, every eye closed, if you need to come to this altar, you come. I want these ladies to sing this whole song again. You might find yourself in verse 1 or verse 2. You might find, you might find yourself thinking of an entirely different verse, an entirely different circumstance in your life. But I want you to know today, you're not in this alone. If you need to be saved today, it'd be an awful good day to get it right. How do I do that, preacher? All you gotta do is just bow. You can bow where you are at this altar, it don't matter. You just need to admit to God that you are a sinner. Then you need to admit to yourself that God came for you. That God loves you. You just simply need to ask God to save you. Brother David sent me a message the other day about Brother Garland Odom. And he, Brother Garland Odom in this message was talking about a, a lady. I don't know if there was something maybe not right with her, but she was crying and she was weeping. And she told somebody she got saved. And she said, they said, how do you know you got saved? And she said, well, the preacher said, all I had to do was ask him. And so I asked God if he would save me. And they said, well, what did he say? The lady reported that God said, okie dokie. God wants to save you this morning. He's willing. He's already done the work. You just got to believe on Him. Ask Him to save you. If you're here and you're saved, you just need to realize that you're not doing this all alone. It's alright to come to this altar. It's alright just to, just to take off the pride and just give it to God. And say, God, I don't care who sees me come to this altar. I don't care if we're there all day. I'm just going to get on the altar. And I'm going to be reminded that I'm not in this alone. You listen as they sing. If you need to come, you come do business with God. Right now it seems like the world is against you. Maybe it is. Sing it, ladies. And right now you feel like you're Right, friend.
everything. 